Hey, it's No Driving Gloves again. We're joining you, just Derek and I tonight. Will's uh, still in for a busy summer, probably getting ready for SEMA. Heck, that's just around the corner. It just always creeps in there. How are you doing tonight, Derek? I'm doing great. Not a lot going on. Um, yeah, I've got stuff going on at work that's always uh, pushing forward, but seeing we're coming into the fall and the uh, car show season, at least for uh, kind of my end of things, the museum world is wrapping up. Things are things are getting a little uh, calmed down, and I get a little more free time. Uh, I kind, kind of... Uh... NVU, we hit my, my busiest work week of the year. You guys always joke that I never do anything. Starting next Monday to the through the following Sunday, I'll probably get about a 100, 120 hours in, all outdoor. Hopefully it, we actually get this break in the weather that they're calling for and it gets a little bit cool here. Uh, be a lot nicer to be outside with 80, 85, and 90% humidity than this 96 100 degrees, 100% humidity we've had the last few weeks, but that's the way that goes. On now, the, is that the uh, is that the Vintage Festival? Yes. Oh, awesome. Okay. All, all antique motorcycles and that, and a good portion of my job, about 20% of my job revolves around that and managing the swamp meet, which has grown tremendously this year. We went from about 500 spaces last year to just shy of 700 this year and a lot of new vendors a lot of uh you know just kind of going to be an exciting year a lot a lot of people are looking forward to it from what i'm getting from the people i deal with and i talk to lots of people about it just the number of new parts and things that could could end up appearing at this and since i don't have enough to do as we alluded to in the last episode, and I know we've been really bad in the month of September getting out episodes. A lot of that's on my end. Uh, Derek and Will's schedules kept them busy. My schedules kept me busy. And then I've been complaining about technical difficulties with the podcast and our recording. And um, I've been reaching out to some friends and discussions and reached out to uh, Stephen and Stargate with uh, Better Podcasting and asked them... They, they do a really good podcast on hobby podcasting, and if you want to get into this hobby, give them a listen. Listen to their first five episodes. They basically tell you how to do a podcast, and I'll admit, a lot of what I know is because of them or them guiding me to finding the answers. You know, There's still a little bit of research, and they use a, or Stephen uses this setup, and run, he runs a the Gun of Geek podcasting network, and he uses a setup, and I took some of his advice, and Spent some time at Guitar Center and that, and ended up buying us a new board. Significant investment. This is almost becoming professional as opposed to a hobby on my end. But uh, when you hear this episode, let us know if you think the sound quality is any better, if the transitions are better. Um, I just actually got the board in this afternoon, hooked it up. Um, I don't have the best cables and that. I actually had to order, you know, $100 worth of cables <laughs> now that the board's here. And Derek and I are giving it a try tonight, giving this a rundown, and hopefully this works better, and this will allow us to have up to five different people in five different uh, locations across the country on the episode, and we can start putting out those uh, interview podcasts. We've we've promised you for over a year, so look for about mid-late October. I'm going to 
uh, kind of a new no driving gloves to to hit the airwaves and a little bit better sound quality, hopefully, and a lot better guests. If you want a guest, if you've got an idea for a guest, let us know. Uh, be sure to start telling your friends about us. The listenership has been growing even in this time of us being tardy with episodes. So that's my little pitch and filling everybody in on the background in No Driving Gloves. And uh, is there anything special going on on your end there, Derek? Or do we want to just kind of jump into tonight's topic, which we might be late to the game, and we're going to try to do it in a non-political discussion way, but... Oh, that's no fun. Uh, no, there's there's not a whole lot going on. I I should say that um, car show season is slowing down, and it, and it is. But I I should mention that I will be on the road again in November, headed down to Tampa Bay, Florida, November 10th and 11th for a new concours that's been formed down there uh, called the Cigar City Concours, and uh, we're going to be actually bringing our unrestored. Uh, 1958 Corvette. Uh, talk a little bit about preservation, probably over restoration while I'm at the Concours. And uh, I think everybody knows I'm a, a big proponent of that in the uh, the hobby and, and the museum world. That'll be a, an opportunity to probably catch one of us on the road for any of our listeners that are are down that way. So uh, that is that is coming up, John. Yeah. And I think this podcast is actually going to drop a day or two late, but I'm going to try to hit the um, Atlanta Concours the last weekend here of September in just a couple of days. Um, so I guess I'm talking in my future, but in your past. So that time traveling of podcasts that we're involved in. So that keeps us... See, and that's... Unfortunately, you've missed John at the Atlanta Concord, but that's the way he likes it. He always announces it on a podcast where, you know, you, you can't actually meet him at the event he's going to. Yeah, kind of the way Will did, um, now I'm drawing a blank, Pigeon Forge and Derek did uh, Old Car Festival, how they slipped up yeah. there. <laughs> hey. But we'll go ahead and slide into, I say we're a little bit late to the game on this, and I know Derek and I have talked about this topic a little bit in the past, and it kind of came to the forefront for me when I was buying my uh, Transit Connect a few weeks ago a couple months ago, whatever that was, and discussing with the salesperson and uh, my girlfriend and that, uh, Ford's new marketing plan that, you know, they really started in 2019, right around the corner, and by 2020, supposed to fully implement it of, quote, not selling cars, which seems to be a radical idea. And I'm going to voice a little bit of my opinion on it. I'm going to voice some of Derek's, and I can kind of agree with where Ford's going, uh, looking at, you know, the the black and white, the dollars and cents, um, a lot of money, a lot of profit in SUVs and trucks. That's what everybody wants, it seems. The um, safety factor is greater in those vehicles especially when you're in one of those vehicles. You, you really don't want to get hit in your small car by a big SUV. But then again, if we didn't have all the big SUVs, a small car wouldn't be such a bad deal. But, I, I you know, it's an interesting plan Ford's got. Um, I really agreed with it when they were going to import the one vehicle, which now with the new um, import taxes and duties that 
uh, the government has started with. Not going to get into that too much. But Ford having to drop that smallest, least expensive vehicle out of its lineup, they might need to reconsider, in my opinion, one of those small cars. Is with the Echo Sport, or I can't remember the name of the their smallest one. A little bit smaller than the Escape now. Uh, you know that's that vehicle starts high teens. Uh, it's just a you know I want to say it's an interesting conversation or thought process that Ford all of a sudden says, "Hey, we're going to do this." And you know when Ford did aluminum body trucks, everybody said, "Hey, what are you doing? You know this is aluminum and it doesn't work." And you know General Motors whines about it and Chrysler or Fiat whines about it with their trucks, and they're going to do all-steel trucks, and now they're talking about their upcoming aluminum offerings. So is this uh, foreshadowing of the future with Ford dropping cars? You know, I've got a Ford van. I've had a Ford pickup. Derek drives a Ford pickup. So we're into that, but frankly, you know, my Taurus is a great car, and it's roomy, and I think with a little bit of marketing, it would sell. I think part of Ford's problem in selling cars is they don't stock or advertise them properly. Everything's advertising a truck or a Edge or an Explorer. Nothing ever advertises the Taurus or you know, really the Fusion. People know about the Focus because it's inexpensive and, you know, kind of in that import scene. But you're you're not selling the cars. It's like when Scion had the um, I can't even think of the name of it. XBXA, um, the small little smart light car. I can't remember what the name of it was. You couldn't. I I wanted to look at one back when I bought my uh, Fiat 500. I wanted to look at one, but no Toyota dealer or excuse me Scion dealer stocked them. So how are they ever going to sell one if I can't go look at one? You know, it's not a vehicle that I just really want to order on a brochure and an internet article, it's something I would like to get into and maybe compare against a smart car. Uh, you know, granted, that car might not have worked, but if the dealers and the sales staff don't have the vehicles to show, they're not going to sell. And it's kind of the same way with the uh, Ford product line. I had to buy my SHO at a Ford dealer that different than I normally buy my Fords at because the dealer I buy, uh, or I had bought my last three or four cars from, didn't stock SHOs. They didn't see a reason to. So I had to drive down the street to another Ford dealer. And do you know what that did? It cost him the Transit Connect sale because I bought that off the same dealer I bought the SHO from. Uh, but if they could have sold me an SHO, I probably would have bought my Transit there. So it it's just an interesting little game that Ford's playing. Do you have any thoughts or anything on that, Derek? Or are we going to quickly shift topics? I've got a bunch. Uh, first thing I want to start with, you, you said something really interesting uh, a moment ago, and that was that, you know, dealerships are not stocking certain cars. And, you know, this is this is a little off topic. It made me think because you were saying, you know, I want to go there and I want to I want to test things and I want to see things and I, I want to know how it feels. But is that because we're car people? Is that because we still love our cars and we still want the vehicle that fits right for our lifestyle and that we're comfortable in? 
in the the world that we live in today where everyone just goes online to Amazon or something like that and just orders their their you know items you know well I need that so I'm going to order that are the dealerships starting to move and some of these companies starting to move to well the car is becoming more and more and more just an appliance to people therefore we're not going to stock everything and if they really want this tiny little scion or this tiny little mazda 2 sized car uh, they can just order it and get it in and they'll be happy because they don't really care uh it just it made my mind go there i don't know if we want to get into that tonight but i think it, that might be a it might be a sign of the times uh back to the the ford topic at hand uh i find it interesting i mean clearly like you said they're playing obviously to their market uh, we all know f150s are the best selling truck uh, Ford takes great pride in that, and they know that's where the money is. Uh, so, is it is it a big surprise? Uh, probably not. I, I have to agree. You know, as you say, there's you know uh, what's going to happen with the entry level uh, car, but I also have to wonder if there are other factors at play behind the scenes because at the same time, you know, uh, maybe. I, what was it, maybe eight months to a year before Ford's announcement of going to all SUV crossover truck, you know, type vehicles. GM came out with their announcement that they would be moving to an all electric, uh, you know, green fleet of vehicles by, was it 2025, I think was their goal. Uh, I, I don't have the article in front of me, but we all know that the industry talks. I mean, people within the industry talk, they know what's going on. You know, are there factors at play here where if, okay, GM is saying they're going to go to an all electric uh, green technology fleet of vehicles, does that mean they're moving to primarily cars and electric, you know, small electric vehicles and Ford will be the company that you go to if you need your uh, larger, you know, SUV or pickup trucks. And I mean, is Fiat Chrysler even going to be in the game in 10 years? Um, so I, I also wonder if there's some factors like that at play where, you know, Ford and GM just know, hey, you've got that cornered. We're going to corner this and the world's going to be a splendid place. It does leave a lot of the market, I think, open for everybody. Um, it's just... I agree. Is the Fiat Chrysler of America going to be around in a couple of years? Is this everything going to get consolidated? Maybe it will. Maybe Ford's looking at purchasing some car manufacturer or merging with some car manufacturer. You know, somebody threw out to me that Hyundai is going to be the one that takes care of FCA for us in the end. Uh, but it's, I like I say, I agree with Ford's business model, but I'm not sure it, or business plans or whatever we want to call this i'm just not sure it's right um well if you want to get or if i can get sarcastic about it for a minute uh i would say mm, i give it about 19 years because that was the run of the ford model t where all ford made was the model t granted there were different versions of the model t there was the runabout there was the touring car there was eventually a uh you know 
uh, truck version. Um, you know, there were light duty and heavy duty, but they made the Ford Model T. And it was pretty much the same car for 19 years. And by 1924, 25, the company was not doing well. And by the time they shut down to convert everything over to build the Model A, they were pretty close to selling the company uh, off to uh, other investors that wanted to buy it. So uh, the sarcastic historical answer would be, I give it 19 years, John. Well, I, I see your point there. It's, I don't know. I, where are we going to be in 19 years? I mean, at that point, it could be flying electric cars that, you know, run on the, uh, you know, with their flex capacitors and their, I can't think of the name of your, whatever our food processors are that convert, you know, vegetable waste into energy. But it, it's, it, yeah, by, in 19 years, if we had a discussion, uh, Derek and I, before the podcast talking about Bob Lutz and Bob Lutz is even in the, uh, agreement that 15 or 20 years we might not we won't have cars everything will be an uber or lyft or something pod that comes and picks us up and you know when we when no, no driving gloves when we're all near retirement age we'll be talking about the good old days of hey you remember when ford went to just just trucks and that was a pretty good idea because that allowed him to develop the people mover and i had one of them people movers come and pick me up It's just now. Yeah. Now, all of our uh, Detroit listeners, John, will will have to comment back that the people mover has never worked in Detroit quite right. So we hope people movers don't become a real thing. And they were always interesting at Dallas Airport too. <laughs> you want to talk about make, making somebody late for a plane? You got to get on the bus and. Uh... So much nicer now. You can walk terminal to terminal. Or, yes. But I was thinking people movers as minivans. So we can thank Leo. Well, you know, I just, you know, Detroit, home of Ford. You know, yeah. you people mover in there. Uh, you know, yeah. again, a little bit of sarcasm for the evening. But no, I, uh, again, going back to this idea and and I think it just shows how interesting of a moment we are in in the automotive automobile industry because we are seeing these major announcements from General Motors, Ford Motor Company about changing the idea of their fleet of vehicles, yeah, what they are making, and it is clearly an evolution towards something, but we, we don't know, as you say, John, we don't know what that is quite yet. Um, you know, is it going to be pods and, and vehicles that you don't have to drive and, and all those things, or is this just an, an evolution of companies? So they're not directly competing with each other in the market, rather they're, you know, taking, kind of a, you know, I don't want to say control, but they're, you know, 
kind of taking over the markets they're good at um, rather than, again, trying to compete, you know, Chevy truck against Ford truck. I think there's a lot to be seen. And, you know, even even in the aspect of if it if it is an evolution towards something else or I think we're at an interesting moment in time in automotive history. I mean, doing what I do as a curator, we're at some moment in of evolution in the automobile industry. I don't think any of us know what that is yet or what it's going to look like. You know, is it is it in 20, 30, 40 years, you know, pods and and little self-driving contraptions that you just ride around in or is this GM and and Ford figuring out what markets they're best at and just agreeing in some way that, well, Ford, we're going to over here take the SUV crossover uh, truck market and, you know, GM is going to move to this fleet of electric vehicles, small cars, things like that. And it's just a, a brilliant plan to, you know, have these companies be more successful in the markets they're good at, especially after they went through and struggled through uh, a recession 10 years ago and that they had to come out of and build back up out of. Or is this, I, I guess, the third, you know, kind of prong of this could be, is this an experiment that's terribly wrong and in five, 10 years, we're going to see a, a change in strategy again? Uh, so I, I think we're at an interesting moment moment in time in the automobile industry and kind of seeing what's going to happen, you know, possibly even similar to, let's say the, you know, great depression, you know, 1929, 1930 through the world war two era where, you know, we saw a number of automobile manufacturers just start falling by the wayside. And, you know, uh, the, the Great Depression and, and that whole situation decimated some of those companies. And then, of course, after World War II, we had fewer automobile companies left, still more than just the big three. But then, you know, federal safety standards start coming in on things and different federal regulations, which started wiping out some of the smaller companies it was a very interesting time, say, for that 20 to 30 year period of companies just disappearing to get to where we've essentially been for, say, the last 50 years. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting, I think. Uh, and I'm interested to see where things go. I'm a little scared because I'm a car person. I like cars. I like getting in my car. I like driving my car. And I think in the episode, we talked about uh, the Bob Lutz comment on, you know, the future of not a uh, self-driving vehicles. Uh, I, I probably will be the guy that gets arrested a lot because I'll be driving one of my antique cars on the road when it's illegal and I just won't give up. So it's, it's an interesting time. And, and what Ford is, is doing is, is going to be interesting, but as as you say, John, you know, it kind of sucks because there's no affordable Ford car out there 
um, that you can get into, you know, maybe the, you know, you're going to be able to get an affordable Chevy and drive that around. And then when you decide you want to step up to a truck, you make the leap over to Ford brand loyalty is going to be hard to get, uh, because, you know, most people brand loyalty comes from working up through as you can afford more and more valuable vehicles. So is this going to hurt brand loyalty as well when they do this? I think that's a thing that to let's start that all over. That's one thing Ford is, in my opinion, obviously abandoned is there is absolutely no brand loyalty in their eyes by going all all trucks because if you want that car, you you change and you've got to go to a different brand. Or if you are a 16-year-old and your parents are buying you a car or you're a 16-year-old working at the local fast food restaurant making whatever it is, eight bucks, nine bucks an hour, and you've got to make a car payment. And, you know, right now, okay, you can go out and buy a used Festiva in that. But in 10 years, you're not going to be able to. You're going to go out and buy whatever Chevrolet Cobalt Cavalier, you know, Aveo is current for them. So you're going to go out and buy that that car, and that's going to put you in that Chevy mindset. So is your next car going to be a Chevy? Ford's gambling that no, no, you don't care what brand it is. You're going to buy the. You're eventually going to move to that Ford vehicle. And obviously, they've abandoned the brand loyalty. Where if you jump into the higher end people, they go, no, there, there's brand loyalty. We want everybody in our car, and that's why we have Mercedes SUVs. That's why we have Lamborghini SUVs. That's why we have Ferrari talking about an SUV. It's why Porsche introduced an SUV. You know, Rolls-Royce has their new SUV coming out, and they don't care. They've even said they don't care. We're not looking for new customers. We expect Rolls-Royce customers, our customers, to purchase this vehicle and enjoy this vehicle, irregardless of the price. because. People are brand loyal, and if people that can buy anything in the world are brand loyal, why all of a sudden is the middle class not brand loyal? And you know that's one of the that's one of the big things that the girlfriend and the Ford dealer argued to me, and I hadn't really thought about. And I don't admit that I'm wrong often, but they might have been right in that. That 10 years down the road, there's not going to be an inexpensive small Ford necessarily car-wise that somebody wants to learn to drive in. There, you know, it's going to be the Escape, or I call it the Echo Sport. I can't remember the name of it. I apologize. But, you know, those are going to depreciate down there, but it's still going to be a little bit different, in my opinion, than buying a Festiva for your first car or buying a you know, a Fiat 500 for your first car or, you know, even buying a small, you know, what is it, C-Class Mercedes as your first car, it's different when you're buying an Edge or an Explorer and such as your first car. And I've driven through some high school parking lots in the last couple of years. I've driven through the, the rich high schools and they're a lot of nice cars. There are some SUVs, but it's still a bulk cars. And same thing for the the middle class high schools. It's definitely more cars than SUVs. 
being in Alabama, there is a few pickup trucks in there. But it's, I think they're abandoning a lot of markets in there for that brand loyalty question that we started on. I think they've abandoned it, and they just think people are going to buy whatever suits their fancy that day. And going back to your online purchasing thing, are you going to buy something completely different for $30,000, or are you going to buy something you're kind of familiar with again? You know, if you if you have a Gen Air in your kitchen, a lot of those people stick with Gen Airs. It's just, it goes that same way. When you buy Colgate toothpaste, it's always cold. You know, you pretty much always buy Colgate because you're brand loyal. Even if they're out of the gel, maybe you get the scope with whatever. But it's, yeah, I, 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 don't, I again, I don't follow a lot of what Ford's doing there. Well, and I think you you alluded back again to the the you know comment about buying online and appliances. Again, you know, as I said earlier, we don't. You know, within the industry, we know some of these people talk and, and we don't know what is probably going on behind the scenes. But, you know, in the in the kind of path you were taking there, John, it almost seems like, you know, maybe Ford is thinking and, and GM are thinking, well, people are just looking at cars as appliances. And if you want a truck, well, you just go get a truck. And if the only truck available is a Ford, well, that's what you're getting. Because you need a truck. You need that appliance. Here's what's offered. Okay, that's what I'm going to get. Uh, you know, it, it could be that we're headed that way. I I hope not. I, as you say, John, and I, I mean, I like to have choices. I, I want to go out and look at the new Fords and look at the new Chevys and, and make my decision. Notice I didn't throw Ram in there. Um, I, yeah. I liked Ram at one time, and I owned a few Dodges, and I don't know that I'll ever own another Dodge again, but I digress there. It's a concern because, and and I think it speaks to the deeper problem that, you know, I think we've talked about on multiple episodes, and hey, let's talk about it again. And one of the reasons John and Will and myself started this podcast is we don't see the younger people getting into the hobby or getting into cars. And that is what's going to destroy the industry. Because if there isn't a passion out there and there isn't the people saying, no, I want choices, I want this, I want that, then the industry is just going to go the way that they feel they need to go to survive and we're going to have less and less options and it's it's going to get bland and boring in my opinion so i guess we're both on the page that eh, what is ford doing and is it is it the right decision and we both i think think it's a wrong decision as far as the collector car hobby, which is, of course, supposed to be the focus of the podcast and the betterment of it. And I just, I think it takes a lot of the passion away. And like you, we've said multiple times in this episode, it, it makes it an appliance decision. And it's looking at it a little bit deeper than, oh, no, I can only buy a pickup or an SUV or a van at Ford. Uh, we are excluding the Mustang. We're 
both very much aware that Ford is going to continue to produce the Mustang as the only car in the lineup. But what does that mean in 10 years? Is it all of a sudden going to be an SUV Mustang say in 10 years? Uh, you know, the definitely high- four wheel drive. <laughs> definitely. I think you have to go that way. I mean, with Dodge making the challenger, uh, all-wheel drive now, I think you're going to see everything's going to go that way, especially as we, you know, have electric Mustangs and things like that in the future, and it's really easy to do all-wheel drive vehicles. Now, I understand you were joking, maybe. It was, it was, but I I mean, it is true that, and even with a sports car, uh, you know, with the electric, especially in, in any electric situation or hybrid situation, having the control, especially if they, they work it where it's, you know, basically an intelligent four wheel drive where it can read what's going on. I mean, it, the way better performance, I mean, the, the performance capabilities are outstanding when you get into that. But again, it was a joke, but yeah, we, we can talk about that kind of stuff on another, another episode, but yeah, you know, keeping the Mustang, the the kind of niche sports car, muscle car. I shouldn't say sports car because it's truly just it's a muscle car in the definition of different types of vehicles. Um, again, Ford's looking at what their market is and what makes them money, and that's that's where it's headed. Took a pause there, thinking, well, they never said what they're going to do with the Ford GT. Is this the last generation Ford GT? As much as they screwed up this release of the vehicle this time around, but, but again, no, do, I, do, do we do we really want the the Corvette curator guy <laughs> to get into the GT? Do we really? The big question is: Is it even a Ford? <laughs> Granted, but I was just working for a donation so that you'll be able to do a comparison between the mid-engine Corvette and the the 2017 Ford GT. I mean, if <laughs> if anybody out there would like to donate their Ford GT to the Corvette Museum, it'd be happy to have it for, you know, those reasons. Yeah. See, I did that, set it up. Now we can get some talk back on the podcast like you do uh, more Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> Corvette <laughs> Museum wants a Ford GT. <laughs> 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 but uh yep so i don't know if we accomplished anything tonight just trying to get back into the groove of things but a lot of butts tonight you're not going to hear them because i'll edit them out but see another butt however mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh <laughs> i think we did accomplish something and and i think it's that again that common theme of our podcast which is if we in the collector car, antique car, whatever you know, we want to call this hobby, the the collector car hobby as a whole. You know, I want to, I don't want to exclude anyone. The the hot rods, the street rods, the uh, you know, antiques, the classics, the whatever you're into. We have to make sure that our voices are heard. We have to make sure that. Uh, you know, what we are looking for in cars is heard because if, if the car people don't 
speak up, if the car people don't say, hey, why are you doing this? We want options. We want this. And we get that a lot of it is market driven, but, you know, take into consideration some of this. It's just going to keep going in whatever direction, you know, they kind of take this. And I know we're, we try not to ever make this podcast political, but that's what will happen is, is we will just be led into, well, this is, this is what we're doing. And, you know, the sad thing is, is it's possible that the majority of people growing up today that are, are younger than us, the younger generation coming up, maybe they just don't care enough about cars. Maybe that's not the next generation's thing. And maybe some of us grumpy old men have to accept that, but you know, I'm sure there were people that didn't want the horse and carriage to go away, (laughs) but it would be, in my opinion, very difficult to accept and, and very sad if we completely lost the automobile as we know it. Damn you. Now I'm all of a sudden thinking back, back in the 1800s when I, and I can't think of a stagecoach Studebaker manufacturer goes, well, we're going to quit building stagecoaches and we're going to go straight to horseless carriages. And I'm sure you know, the podcast of the day back then, you know, you know, no, no driving suits or, you know, our dust smocks, <laughs> those guys were sitting around discussing, well, what do you think of Studebaker getting rid of the horseless, <laughs> or getting rid of the you know, carriage and going strictly for these motor-driven machines? And that's what we're doing today is we're discussing the potential of the future. And no matter how crazy it sounds, it all affects the hobby. No matter every little change, every little thing that happens, whether electric cars, fuel cells, Ford going to trucks, um, the turbocharging of every motor in America, anything, you know, Porsche going away from pop-up headlamps, it all affects the collector car industry and our hobby in the future. And hopefully we'll get into some more of these topics and you go, why, why did they even get into it? Because it all affects the collectability of our automobiles and the fun and the enjoyment. And, you know, you have the two eclectic guys talking to you tonight. You know, Derek with all of his pre-war stuff and me with the stupid, crazy, ugly, you know, gremlins and rampages of the world. It's, I think it's all important. And why, like I said, I think it was a decent conversation. We pointed it out. And I want to know what your opinions are out there. And I, Derek does, and we'll touch back on it. Um, do I will go ahead and apologize. I talked in the beginning about some audio quality. We had a couple little issues with the new PC rig I have, not the new board. And we'll have an edit oops or two in this episode, maybe. But I think Derek and I are going to call call it quits. And we'll talk to you in about a week. You good? That sounds good, John. So you good with that? Then I'm out of here. All right. Have a good night. Thank you.